Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from For the Region about the future of South West Wales. And welcome to today's Build Back Better conversation from For The Region. Today's meeting, we're covering well-being at work, whether we're working from home, from the office, a shop or a school, all our working environment has changed. We're delighted to be joined by a number of organisations to hear from them how they're dealing with their staff or how they're helping businesses they work with. Welcome to Alison Parsons, Head of Health and Wellbeing at DVLA. Victoria Williams from Wellbeing Through Work, Joanna Juliff, Health and Wellbeing Coach at Empower Health and Wellbeing, Paul Billington, Operations Manager, Work Support for Admiral Group. I'm Zoe Antrobesman for The Region and this is my co-host Dawn Lyle. Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us this afternoon for what I hope will be a really insightful conversation about well-being, which I think is on all of our minds as employers and businesses and organisations across the region really. We're just coming out of another two-week lockdown and really the end of, well it's not the end, but really a culmination of eight months of absolute disruption to the way we work, to the way we live, to family life. You know, no one could have predicted it and uh, it has impacts that we couldn't have foreseen. And the way we've dealt with that, each of us individually as people and within our workplaces has probably tested our resilience and tested our own sort of mental health as we've gone by. It's been a wearing few months. There are plenty of positives, but it's also been a very difficult time for a lot of people. We want to get into some of that today and think about what businesses and employers and organisations can and could be doing to support their people as we continue in this difficult situation as we come towards Christmas which is traditionally a very sociable time and it's going to look very different in the months ahead. So really interested to hear from organisations across South West Wales about what you guys are doing and what you guys have learnt and put into place through this time and really any reflections you can share that will be valuable to our listeners in taking back into their own workplaces and into their own lives. I'd like to start with you, Joanne, because you are a powerful positive force and everyone who knows you knows that you bring a lot of energy around well-being and mental health. You run an organization, a small business called Empower. Tell us a bit about that. And what have you been, how has your business adapted and your client group? What's it been like? Thanks, Dawn. Yeah, so Empower, for those that don't know, Empower is me, basically. And I've written a seven-point wellbeing program. I'm really passionate about emotional well-being. I always, you know, straight away tell people I'm not a mental health practitioner. I have no mental health training. I'm really passionate about basically people looking after themselves emotionally and tapping into things that make them happy. I've got a teaching background. And I was a Weight Watchers leader for nine years after being made redundant. And it became apparent to me, you know, pretty soon that weight wasn't the issue that brought them through the door. It was the fact that they weren't happy with themselves. So after going through a load of upheaval, redundancy, divorce, bereavement, all those things that people my age, most people have experienced, I sort of wrote the program, which sort of, um, I suppose, just summarized those strategies that I use to sort of try and keep positive. I'm a single parent of three children, teenagers, nightmare. So the homeschool and everything. So there's a, f- a number of things. It teaches people to run. That's one of them. Just because I think running is a great metaphor for life. 
but more to the point it's about getting people out of their comfort zone and empowering people to do things they couldn't do before so that was my whole mission beforehand I also deliver weekly classes people who buy into empower they come and we basically I deliver the program and basically people just talk I mean I'm a big advocate of talking and and I think what's happened with the pandemic is the the biggest problem is that before the pandemic it we were encouraged it's okay not to be okay and what what I was trying to be you know spread the message of looking after yourself and then the pandemic struck and we all had to be stoic and if you weren't in the NHS then you know you've got nothing to moan about and I for one was very safe in my own home my own business in my little thing and I felt horrendous and I felt as if no one listened, as if my feelings weren't valid. And I struggled like I've never struggled before. Now, my clients, it was great because I could speak to them. They spoke to me. And generally, and I think in business and the businesses I work with, generally, people just didn't feel they could say, I'm really struggling here. And I think that's been the biggest problem. And people's mental health is, is has suffered because they don't feel because because I for one, like you say, I'm very very positive generally. I couldn't stop crying, and every time I said anything, people said, "Oh, well, at least you're safe. At least you haven't got COVID. At least you're not on the front line." Well, I never wanted to be a nurse anyway, <laughs> so I don't sit in the house saying, "Thank God I'm not a nurse." I never wanted to be a nurse, but you couldn't say that. And I think the whole, and I've been really passionate about this. And this is why I think I've taken my clients with me. Captain Tom, I was not donating to Captain Tom because I pay taxes. Not a very popular thing to say at the time. And I felt as if I wanted to say it, but I couldn't. And as we know, our well-being becomes sort of diminished when we feel as if we can't, you have to be careful who your audience is. And I don't live like that, you know, generally. But I think over the last eight months, I've had to, not so much now because I've worked through it. But at the beginning, I very much felt, oh, I can't say that to that person. I can't say that to that person. I can't be myself. I can't do this. I can't. And it challenged my well-being more than anything, which, of course, you know, from my point of view, is great because that's my business. And people say when you're authentic, then actually it makes people open up and be the same. So the, the, the business-wise, I go in and I deliver workshops. Obviously, that has stopped. I was just due to start a big contract with a public services ombudsman. Whereas I was going in delivering workshops with them once a month or twice a month. And I was doing a drop-in workshop in the afternoon. Well, that all the kibosh was put on that. But again, it's through it's thrown us a curveball because what I ended up doing was delivering workshops online, which have been so successful. And actually better because it's much smaller. We're only having I only have four maximum at a time. And people, it's the one time that people can say exactly how they are feeling. And because, yes, I work for the Public Service Ombudsman, but my brief very at the very beginning was, we don't want the management, we don't want feedback. You know, I, they, they didn't want me to go back and tell them anything. They had no agenda. Mm. They brought me in and I speak to four people individually about their elderly parents, their homeschooling, their children, the struggle with five people at, you know, and it wasn't about mm. work. And I think that's why the feedback was so good. Yeah. Somebody you know, we, cur- 
Yeah, somebody to listen to the struggles that people are having in their lives and in their work, but from a... An and actually say, how are you feeling? And, you know, when I do my introduction, I, I do all that about how I felt. And, you know, it's okay if you don't... I know, it's, I know it sounds trite and it's okay not to be okay. But I said, I don't know anybody else. I don't, I don't really care about who your line manager is, who your husband is. It's you on this screen. And the first session, it was obviously a bit... So I delivered the program and allowed. But then when I when we did the set the review, people were saying exactly how they felt. Yeah. And surely that's what well-being is all about. But I think when it's tied to work, and I did speak to a, a person I know runs a business, and I said, Oh, look, I'm doing this. And he said, Oh, yeah, my HR department is dealing with that. And I, and I wanted to say, well, I didn't, but I wanted to say, Yeah, but it's your HR department. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Think- Everything you've got an agenda, like, you know, bring me in. This is not about you. This is about people functioning as a 100% individual because it's that 100% they bring to work. Mm. It's not the bit, it's only, it's only and especially now, I really feel passionately about that. You know, it's, it's trying to homeschool three different children and like my kids learning Welsh. Mm. <laughs> I can't teach maths anyway. I, can't, I certainly can't teach it in Welsh. So I think you make some really important points there, Joanne, about the, the sort of taboos and the, the feeling that we all had to just pull it together, hold Crack it on. together and get through this and be strong and, and keep going. And it was so, so challenging, wasn't it, actually trying to juggle working from home, looking after the kids, trying to keep the balls in the air at work as well and presenting this persona through our Zoom meetings and our Microsoft Teams meetings to present that we are still this professional person carrying out a job and that must put so much strain on people. So just the ability to be open and vulnerable and to talk about the ways in which we're struggling clearly is just so valuable. I'm interested to talk to you, Alison, as somebody who's in part of a really big organization, DVLA. Has that been your experience? I mean, how, how have your huge team at the DVLA responded and how has the DVLA been able to support such a huge workforce through this time? It's interesting. It's interesting what Joanne said there about, you know, um, OHR are dealing with that because um, HR in itself felt that all eyes were on them yes of course so all of a sudden taking your point again joanne about you almost have to be when people come to you you know it's wearing when you feel a little bit down you almost have to be even more stoic in a way because you were expected weren't you because that's your job to come up with the ideas come up with making it all okay we all experienced back in march you know one minute we were in the office most of us were office situated for many many years you know I'm talking 30 40 years all of a sudden you are not in the office tomorrow fact and you could sense the panic I suppose about oh my god what does that mean and HR in fairness to HR and the team of the 60 plus in HR all doing various jobs but the health and well-being area in particular came right to the forefront because you were dealing with health and well-being generally that was our role but as part of day-to-day business as usual then all of a sudden there was this tsunami of we need to do something because we were also feeling our way on how we felt what public health Wales was saying then what we had central government telling us because of course we were working in to government but in in you know different administrations and so on so 
that was tough. And, you know, there are thousands of staff at DVLA. Many of them are operational staff, which meant and still does that they couldn't actually work from home. So you have the prime minister saying, if you can work from home, work from home. But you have a lot of staff that couldn't do that because they are working on the main file record. So it's the security. So they had to be in the office. And then you had the, but am I safe? And it's okay for you because you're working at home. So you then have a divide as well. Incredibly divisive, yeah. Yes. It's okay for you because you can work at home. And I'd rather not be at home. I'd rather be in the office. I have to go to the office, I could be with somebody who has COVID. So you're dealing with then a tier, if you like, of, of where the staff are in the organisation. And of course, we couldn't get them all on site straight away because we had security measures, safety measures and other measures put in place. So for a while, we had no staff on site at all. So, you know, that there it was just, yes. And I frankly, I don't know how we got through it. We did. I have a very good director, Louise White, extremely calm. Always there, very down to earth, guided us through it. And we, we managed with a series of frequently asked questions, be invisible. And as you say, Joanne, you've got managers out in the business who manage the business. And then the sort of the HR side of it, you know, doesn't always come naturally for some of them. So they have to step up as well. So, yeah, it, 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 it's, it's been tough. Um, and the Zoom meetings and the Teams meetings have been great, where we can sort of hold hands and say, wow how are you feeling and I, I think the work side of it almost slipped a little bit and it was actually how are you feeling and I think that came in quite, quite quickly actually and that may be because of who we are I don't know but it, it was certainly felt and certainly needed and like you Joe, I'm very very outgoing and I felt my personality diminish flat yeah. <laughs> and people are going oh my word if I was survival survival there must be something wrong because I'm not yes yes and it was oh my god I don't know how far and I wasn't alone. So yeah, we had, you know, as you say, same challenges on a different scale, maybe, but nonetheless, exactly the same, really, um, you know, throughout. And we're still battling. And, and I've, I've heard people say, I'm exhausted. We're exhausted because it's if it's not one thing, it's another. And of course, things change all the time. We just had Mark Drake would say something which is different through the lockdown in, in, in England. And all of that. So people are trying to work it all through and, and you know, HR having to come up with the answers, I suppose, which, is, as I say, is doubly wearing on times. But uh, we, we do do it. And I, and I think, you know, I take my hat off to every one of the managers in DVLA. They've been outstanding, absolutely outstanding, every single one, yeah, not just true. HR, right across the business in fact. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's an experience we can all probably share is, is how we feel closer probably to our work colleagues than we yes. ever have before. Yes. And we have been able to pull together um, in a different way because we've had to support each other and, and recognise that we're all, you know, yes. we're all in a different situation, but we're all in the same boat at the same time. Yes. We're all trying to deal with this global issue and, yes. and the sort exactly. of fear that you mentioned as well. And, and you know, yeah. that has created these amazing bonds within teams yeah um, agree and yeah. you know we can all be really proud can't we of our teams and the way they've pulled together and, and yes. responded and, and been resilient and I'm yeah. sure that's the message I think that and I, th I think the sharing what, what I found was the sharing from different departments Oh, you know, yes. I mean, if you've got elderly parents, it doesn't matter if you're HR or operational or strategic, you've got elderly parents. And this is as scary for for, for John as it is exactly. for Avril, is it, you know, and yeah, that we're, was we're massively all... great for 
yeah that feeling of you know togetherness yeah remembering that we're all people we're all human and equally there was a moment when back in the summer in the august time where the children were going back to school or they could go back to school we then sense the if you're in the office you might offload to another parent and say would you are you are you sending yours back yeah yeah 100 percent yeah and all that and then so what we did we set up a little sort of forum that said quickly if you want to have a chat log in here and and it was a, a safe space to say i don't know whether i'm going to send my child back i oh, think wow. i'll wait what are you doing and then they have the children at them saying but i want to see my friends but i'm trying yeah. to keep it safe and all of that so it's the sounding board isn't it? yes yeah out, straight out of work to that situation and you're right it doesn't matter where you were hr whether you were the chief exec or whether you were somebody in our post room, it no, makes no difference. Yeah. Same issue. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's been great. Mm. That's been a great thing throughout, I think, you know, and being able to open those channels, channels of communication, the things we all know anyway, don't we? But I just think this has galvanized people into realizing that we're all human beings and things outside work affect work. And, you know, and it's, yeah, I, I had a really interesting call. I don't want to monopolize you, but a call where one person didn't have children and the three others did. And after the call, I did message her and said, do you want me to switch, switch you on to another group? Because it, it's their different demands. And she said, oh, no, no. It's nice to see that other people are worried about other things. <laughs> yes. And I thought, oh, so, yeah. she's, so she stayed. because, I, and, and you know, a perspective, don't you? Sharing sometimes it makes you feel as if oh actually my problem isn't that big or when you share and somebody else sympathizes you think oh yeah I was right mm, to be yeah. worried about that mm, and now mm, I feel better mm, just yes. getting it off your chest and getting mm, it off yeah. your chest exactly yeah, yeah so important let me bring Paul in Paul your workplace support role at the at Admiral so again a, a big employer huge workforce massive adaptations I'm sure many similarities to the DVLA in terms of some people working from home some people not able to work from home how has Admiral managed the challenges and and what what role what attention has been put onto staff well-being at Admiral the initial challenge as I think the DVLA were talking about and, and many other companies had was it was very much about continuing work so getting people set up at home as best that we could so the technology side of it was was obviously a race to get people able to work from home given people's individual circumstances taking those into account etc and then from technology it was, was interesting because we, we definitely hit the stride very very quickly early on which was we acknowledge that there's the business side to, to maintain, and we acknowledge that we've got customers who still need to, to do what they're doing outside of, of COVID, you know, still need their transport because obviously we're insure and that's one of the things that obviously we're involved in. So we knew that we needed to keep that business side running, but also is the impact on the people. And we've been, I think culturally, admirals always looked at, at people as being the most important part of the puzzle. And so... It, it was more about, I think, developing new strategies with existing tools that we already had. So, for instance, we had an EAP service, so, you know, we had eCare, so we had a 
provision for, for supporting staff with anything from money, financial concerns that they might have had straight away, because we didn't furlough anybody. We, we actually kept everybody on the payroll. And so even if you couldn't work, you were being paid. Even if you didn't have the technology, you were being paid. So we gave, we tried to give people security straight out of the gate. And then what we did was, like I said, we had existing tools like EAP. And we had something called Ear to Listen, which is in the moment counseling services, which only go on for one or two weeks. It's just when, when you hit something considerable in your life that, that occurs out of the blue, you get immediately some speak who isn't part of Admiral. EAP, again, is a, an external service. So what we did was we, we pushed those services to the forefront. And that's what Beck Walters, who unfortunately couldn't be here today as the health and wellbeing manager, was key in doing but also extending those services beyond just a staff member. So what we did was we opened up EAP to family members as well, because what we realized was it wasn't just that individual who was struggling. It might be your partner. It might be, you know, your son who can't go back to university. It could be any number of, of different people within your family could be, could be struggling with something different. And so we extended that service beyond just the, the staff member on their own. We just felt it was better to try and support everybody as a whole. And then what we tried to do was there were sort of weekly communications from our CEO or our HR rep, etc., our HR head, HR, to make sure that people were part of a family. They were, they were being looked after. We were, these were the next steps we were going to take. Please don't worry about this. Please don't worry about that. We're looking at these things for you. We're getting these things. And then I think the biggest ongoing problem, I would say, just looking forward a little bit, is, is communicating to a wider audience. You know, we've got 8,000 staff just in the UK, is, is making sure that all of those people are aware of what, what we've put in place. You know, we do have these external services, like I said, like EAP, but we also have internal services. So, for instance, one of the first things we did was to check that people with disabilities or with neurodiversity or with mental health challenges were supported straight away you know and we opened up channels there to make sure that people could reach out confidentially to somebody in HR if they wanted some support that way or if it was like I say workplace support and if they were having difficulties because their neurodiversity was being challenged by new environments you know being at home away from work being maybe on their own etc it, it presents different challenges from a mental health perspective which obviously overlaps into neurodiversity and so we what we did was we tried to address some of the key people that we thought would need support straight away we opened up a, a sort of i need help kind of button on our internal intranet to make sure that people could just get help straight away and speak to somebody one-to-one -one. we made sure that managers i mean you've already you've all mentioned it actually is, is making sure that the managers have the tools that they need. Not every manager is comfortable having certain conversations, was making sure that they had someone that they could reach out to for further support to have those conversations and to support them and to give them the tools to make sure that if they had somebody who presented with, with particular challenges, that they would get the relevant assistance that they needed. And so just to cut a very long story short, I mean, I think it's an ongoing process even now for us is that we're learning what's worked and what hasn't, what the, the challenges are to make sure that awareness is still being built for these 8,000 people who, like we're talking about, we're kind of going back and forth, we're in lockdown, we're not in lockdown, we've done some return to work, so we've, we've gotten people who were struggling at home 
maybe it was their home environment, it was the technology, whatever it was, we tried to get them back into a safe and secure, a COVID safe workplace, which has worked for a lot of them, but then we're bringing them back because you know there's a lockdown. So we're, we're trying to make sure that we're reaching out to those people as individuals one-on-one -on -one, and not just saying, you know, 200 people are affected by this, you know, there you go, stay home for two, two weeks and you're done with it. It's, it's not like that. It's very much, we've got specific people services representatives who will touch base with those people. We've got external and internal approaches to make sure that they're supported because they might not be, as you've already mentioned, they might not be comfortable talking to their manager about something, but they might be comfortable talking to somebody external about some of the worries that they've got. And so, yeah, it, it, I think at the moment, it's very much we're revisiting what we've done so far. We, we were acknowledging actually we've done quite a lot that's worked, which we want to keep pushing and developing. And then we're looking at, okay, what, what are the long-term things about this? What, you know, when COVID does sort of become less of a problem, let's say, what are we doing when we go back to the office? People have gotten, some people are comfortable working from home. They've discovered this wonderful work-life balance. Not everybody, don't get me wrong, I've got two kids and I know what it's like to have to, to balance homeschooling with the demands of work and etc. But some people have found this wonderful balance that, you know, we were always aiming to go for at some point in the future. We we're always looking at home working and flexible working and agile working, all of these great things. And so we're trying to look at the positives of, okay, what can we do now and take the situation, develop it better for our staff going forward? How can we maximize what we've done all this technology we're throwing all this resource and money we're throwing at this is to make it work better for them you know if working from home works better how will smart working happen in the future how will we change our offices to adapt to people maybe just doing one or two days a week and then working one or two days from home and what what's what will work for them and as long as you know we're achieving what we need to as a business that's great but you know the people are where it's at yeah, and I think that's there's some really interesting content there, Paul, in what you've said about, you know, individuals have different requirements and some people are very happy working from home and others just can't wait to get back into the office. And probably the majority of us actually want a bit of a bit of both, a bit of a balance. I think there's a real theme coming through in everything that you've all said about looking after the whole person. I loved what you were saying there about actually making support services available, not just to the member of staff, but to the whole family and to recognize that actually if, if, if somebody else in your household is struggling, then that impacts you and, and extending that support to the whole person and to the whole family, it sounds really important. And I suppose a, a company, a big company like Admiral, has, as you've described, various support systems, whether that's kind of e-care systems in place that employees are able to access. I'd like to bring Victoria in, Victoria from an organization called Wellbeing Through Work, to talk about perhaps what businesses can do that haven't already got those support systems in place, smaller companies and businesses that haven't already been able to provide those well-being resources for their staff before the pandemic. Perhaps it just never seemed important, didn't seem like such an issue. Victoria, tell us about your work and your organization and how you're able to support employers and employees through some of the programs that you run. Yes, certainly. So Wellbeing Through Work is an in-work support service. We're actually hosted by Swansea Bay University Health Board. So our team are actually based in Neathport Talbot. And essentially, we're funded through Welsh Government and the Welsh European Funding Office. And the service is a multidisciplinary team. 
So we have a team of occupational therapists who specialise in providing mental health support. And we tend to sort of focus on sort of mild to moderate mental health issues. So things like stress, anxiety, low mood, depression. And then we also have a team of physiotherapists as well. And they obviously specialise in providing support for commonplace musculoskeletal conditions. So that's sort of the individual support. And basically the individual support, the only criteria for, for somebody to refer through to our service is that they need to be in some form of employment. And that can even be something like a zero hours contract. It can be somebody who's self-employed. They need to be in, in a form of employment and either living or working in Swansea, Neath Port Talbot or Bridgend County Boroughs. And the support we offer is normally up to about six sessions of support and it's one-to-one -one support. Our service is primarily telephone based, which actually obviously in the current situation has actually served us quite well because our therapists have built up sort of years of expertise in, in really being able to provide support for, you know, sort of meaningful well-being support over the telephone. We were actually, prior to the pandemic, we'd made some good links with local GP practices and we were actually delivering some support from local GP practices as well in some face-to-face -face sessions. What we've had to do really is kind of get to a point now where we're sort of, you know, still continuing with telephone-based support. But if there is, you know, if people feel more comfortable with having virtual support, our therapists are now sort of much better equipped to use virtual techniques. We, we tend to use Microsoft Teams or Skype for, you know, to provide that, that kind of support. My role in the service as partnership manager is to provide support for local small to medium sized businesses. And the enterprise support that we offer is done via what we call workplace health programmes. And, and it's really to try and encourage local organisations to, to really try and see the value of investing in staff health and well-being and to try and move beyond a point of, you know, some of the sort of ad hoc well-being initiatives, which are great, you know, that you see in organisations, but to really try and encourage them to think about taking a more strategic approach to improving staff health and well-being in the workplace. The workplace health programmes basically help to structure that and we can go into the workplace or historically we've been able to go into the workplace to deliver those sessions. We'd also started to run some sort of two and a half hour sort of manager workshops you know, focusing on the well-being perspective, but from looking at it from a line management perspective. And those were proving really popular. And of course, then when everything changed in March, we've had to kind of rethink our delivery model. It's actually been, you know, there's, it's been challenging. For me personally, myself and my husband both had COVID back in early March. I just lost my sense of taste and smell and felt very tired, but he was hospitalized for some time and, and has been really, really ill and is still recovering at the moment. So for me, the personal challenges, I had to take a little bit of time out of the workplace and what Joanne was saying really resonated because, you know, because obviously we're hosted by the NHS, some of our team got temporarily seconded into the occupational health services and within the health board and the wellbeing team within the health board to try and really help the NHS staff who were struggling at that time. And as I say, I had my own challenges trying to homeschool my three children and look after my husband when he came out of hospital. And so for me, it was very much when I went back to work in June, it was very much about 
thinking, okay, we're now sort of, I had my, my team back and, you know, how are we going to sort of meet the challenges now moving forward? Because there was very much a sense that, you know, I could look, I looked at the referral rates, for example, and the individual referrals that we were receiving had really sort of dwindled. And I think it was just that sense, which has kind of come across very much today, you know, that everybody was being very stoic and, you know, we just got to get on with it. And what we're seeing now, I think, is this fallout, isn't it? Yeah, it's the it's it's people's resilience sound a bit trite. People say it's okay not to be okay, but I think, you know, people were f- frightened to voice how much they were struggling, and I I noticed it personally because, you know, people I think people were looking at me and thinking, gosh, she's got such a lot on her plate. I can't whinge, you know, I can't have a moan. And of course, I was finding it really strange because I was logging in. We we have virtual tea break at eleven o'clock, and I found them when I was sort of doing a phased return to work. I found them so helpful because it was an opportunity to touch base with colleagues and and just, you know, find out how people were actually doing and not talk about work stuff, but you could, you know, and I I had to sort of say, no, it's it's fine, because actually I want to hear what's going on for you. I want to hear, you know, and and if people were from home, I'd quite like to meet your dog or your cat or, or, you know, all these small things, which just sort of humanise the whole experience for everybody. And I think... That's something with in terms of the support that we've developed now moving forward. We were asked by Welsh Government if we could develop some sessions that were COVID specific. But I've always been quite mindful of the fact that I think there needed to be a balance because, yes, it would be helpful to have specific sessions. So we did we did develop some modules which are on our websites and wellbeing modules. And, and also then we've been delivering webinars since July on things like coping with isolation during COVID, well-being and resilience, challenging unhelpful thinking. Something that came across through talking to employers is that they there's very much this sense that frustrations and, and, and emotions more generally are very much closer to the surface. And I think all of the changes that everyone's experienced and the fact that not everybody has had the same experience, people you know, have had very different challenges and experiences. And I think bringing then people or trying to bring people back into the workplace in some circumstances, it's been a bit of a bubbling pot waiting to overflow a little bit. And some employers were saying, you know, obviously we've had to make rapid changes. We haven't been able to access the usual sort of change management processes that we would usually do. And and now we're, you know, starting to feel the sort of a bit of a fallout from that. So, yeah, we've developed quite a few different sessions, but then we've also kept in things like, probably no surprise, historically our most popular wellbeing awareness session has always been around managing stress. And so I've tried to sort of keep that in and not just make everything about, about COVID, because actually all the other stuff continues. You know, this is all going on and the uncertainty and the frustrations and 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 all of that but then but then you know life continues and work goes on in you know in various different guises so I think for us it's been actually really nice to have the opportunity the flexibility to develop new techniques so like the webinars which have gone down really well and we're trying to build upon that we've also had to be a bit more sort of in terms of how we market the service we're trying to you know, we recognise that there are a lot of people out there that actually could really benefit from the type of support that we offer, but they're just not aware that it exists. We've had um, a radio campaign with The Wave and um, fortuitously, because they don't seem to be doing very much business advertising at the moment, we've had lots of additional free slots. So we've actually managed to get quite a lot of um, new referrals through that advertising. Yeah. We've been just 
as I say, trying to be sort of proactive, really, in, in continuing um, the support that we offer, but just delivering it in, in new ways. And to be fair, the Welsh Government have been very supportive, because whereas our focus has always been from an enterprise support perspective on small to medium sized enterprises, they've actually said now that because of the pandemic, we're able to provide the support to organisations of all sizes as long as they're based within Swansea, Neathbottle or Bridgend. So we've been able to work with primary schools, which has been great. There's lots of very, very stressed out teachers out there, as you can imagine. So we've been delivering sessions there. Some of the colleges have asked us to virtually come in and, um, and deliver sessions for their staff, which has been great. And we've got at the moment about 40 organizations who've signed up for workplace health programs with us and what we've noticed some of them you know signed up a while ago and we've been trying to kind of pin down dates and as you say maybe well-being has been perhaps seen more as a nice to do but not necessarily yeah, in a totally thing and there's been this shift and actually whereas it's always been I felt very much it's been me not wanting to badger people but saying you know can we deliver that session or you know all of us now the emails are coming to me and people are saying oh um remember we signed up for that workplace health program do you think you could come in and do some sessions for us and you know deliver some support so it's um yeah it's, it's a it's a priority now isn't it for employers probably in a way that it had never been before i think i think it's galvanized people into action though isn't it i mean i think back last year when i wrote my program the vision was that i would deliver this program regularly and victoria when you said about strategically you know, my my vision is that employers buy me in and I go and visit and there's just I'm in a room because everybody needs this all the time. We don't just need this because there's a pandemic. And I no. feel really passionately about that. And and I think the well-being through work thing initiative, however it's delivered, should be, you know, there should be, you know, like when you're in university Wednesday afternoon, a sports afternoon. I think there should be. And, and I feel and I think for professionals and managers they should be the priority where it tends to be that's not really where the you know like you say people people are asking for the help actually i think the well because that's a mental health first aid training sort of exploded last year and my big thing there was that it's too late for a lot of people then you know mental health first aid if we were looking after people on a fortnightly basis or a monthly basis Mm -hmm. where you go in and they say oh john do you know what my teenagers doing this or my parents are sucking the life out of me or because like you say, they're not massive issues, but you leave these issues. And what's happened where we haven't been able to, because we've all had to be stoic. I think it's all come to a head now. And we're going to be picking these pieces up for years to come. But I think there should be, I, I just got this vision that I, I think they should have well-being classes, like they have Slimming World classes, like they have Weight Watchers classes. And the classes mm-hmm. I deliver in Portalbert, they come to me week after week after week after week. And I tried just delivering it in a six session thing. And after six sessions, every literally without fail, they were like, "Can we have another block? Can we have another block?" Uh, and I was like, "Oh no, no. no!" I was like, "Oh, you don't need me now." And I realised it wasn't about me. They don't need me. Yeah, they might need me to, you know, sort of start or give them the topic. We talk about motivation this week. What they need is just someone to speak to. They don't want to go to a therapist because it's too expensive. They don't want. They don't feel that it's mental health because that's a bit of a stigma, mm. even though that's not so much now. Life is hard. Some, some safe place to talk on a regular 100%. basis. Paul, yeah, did you want to come in? I was going to say, actually, Joanne's saying, and it's really true, is that I think mental health, everyone has mental health. It's whether it's, you know, you have poor mental health right now or 
good mental health, etc. I think there's a skill set missing from from education. Um, it starts at education sort of area where you know things like emotional resilience um, and these kinds of ideas that will set completely you up. missing. Yeah, that they're not there, and I think we've been addressing that now for approximately I think it's a good twelve months, um, maybe longer. We started an emotional resilience course within Admiral that was, um, you know, there was an iLearn part, so there was some that was online. We were, we were doing it in classroom. Um, on an on ongoing basis, Paul? Was that an ongoing basis? Yeah, and what yeah. you would do is you would attend one, and it'd be great to attend as your team, and you, you, you'd be very honest, and what happens in the room stays in the room, and all that good stuff. But then what the trainers were doing is they would offer support or, or further coaching outside of that, that room, and then that might lead into EAP in terms of further sort of assistance or whatever, or the year to listen service, or even getting help externally. You know, what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, you know, we'll work with you on things because the NHS is still there. And I know that the support systems are overrun to a degree, but what we want to try and do is, is support people that, you know, if they ever left- it's before them, that, this has been proactive. Yeah. Yeah. They're not left on their own. You know, it, it's great to support people in the office and it's great to put all these things in place. But if you if you happened to move jobs and then that didn't work out there and you're left on your own is, well, if you're not in the NHS system, if you're not in everything else, then you're kind of a bit stuck. And so what we're trying to do is do do it alongside of those good things. And like you're saying, and like I think we're all saying, is, is give people the tools to actually help themselves as much as... Yeah, you empower them to take control of their own lives, you know, but they, they, you've just got to keep doing I think, Victoria, when they come to you, it's, you know, one of, my, one of my clients had some brilliant sessions with you, but fundamentally, she had to do it herself. Yeah. You is know, up, and... It's upskilling, as you say, in terms yeah. of the tools and the te techniques. And I think, you know, at this point in time, what, what I've noticed from the sessions, actually, is that... You know what what seem what people really seem to be appreciating is that sense of gosh it's not just me feeling yes like. the, the sessions you know Shame. unfortunately some of the virtual sessions you know the webinars don't really lend themselves to being you know terribly sort of engaging in the sense of perhaps as it would if it was a face-to-face -face sort of training session I like the idea of what you were saying with having some smaller perhaps yeah. shops where people can really open up and three talk. or four yeah yeah um but what we've tried to do um to overcome the fact that people don't seem to like unmuting their microphone and things like that or if they do they all do it at the same time and you can't actually there's so much feedback you can't hear people that we've tried to encourage people to use the chat box facility and and actually it's really kind of you know people have then put comments in and said yeah gosh you know it's just it's quite heartening you know, we've signed up for lots of these webinars because it's just nice to sort of, you know, hear that other people are feeling the same way or they're experiencing the same challenges. And, and we've had really positive feedback about um, some of the mindfulness practices that we touch upon in the sessions. And they're really basic, you know, they're very simple techniques, the things like the stop technique and, you know, sort of basic body scan and things like that. But I think because they're only literally a couple of minutes, it makes them that little bit more accessible and, you know, for people that perhaps haven't thought about, you know, sort of mindfulness or relaxation or breathing techniques and things like that, you know, it gets across that they don't need to be in some sort of Zen state and they don't, you know, be able to clear their mind and, and all this sort of stuff that, you know, it's actually something that people can try and incorporate into their daily lives. And not for us as well, actually. 
Mm. So I didn't mean to interrupt, but my no, point, we, we had a, a young lady, Lisa Lockwood, who was sort of doing this in her own sort of spare time and then took a, a proper course and that's got a degree and various things associated with it. But she's been doing sessions for teams, for groups and managers together and teams together. But she's also doing one-on-one support. And, you know, it doesn't work for everybody, by mm. all means. Some people would rather talk to someone like near to listen service and people are happy just to talk to their colleagues which in a room like this, you know, in that kind of way. For some people, it's, it's again, as we're, I think we're all saying, it's giving people those tools that, you know, this one might work for you. Emotional resilience works for you. It's giving them... It's the, individualising support, yeah. isn't it? And do you think there's a gender component to it as well? Do you think it's easier for women to ask for support when they need it? Or is it more difficult? And do you think there is a sort of gender balance issue there? Is it harder for men to say that they need help and support and do they need different sorts of help and support definitely I would say from my experience it's very obvious that women I think generally will be more talkative and will come forward and 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 say how they feel men going to the word stoic feel you know man of, of of the house that wouldn't be right would it and I think it's we struggle to get um, men to engage just generally, really, not, not just through COVID and, and through this time, but generally business as usual, we struggle. We have a men's health day, a men's health week, um, and we're dragging them, kicking and screaming sometimes into some of the sessions. Yeah, uh, and um, it's, it's interesting because we have an on-site well-being point, which talks if you're able to stand on the scale and it takes your weight and your hydration and all this sort of thing. And when I look at the stats, it's nine times out of ten, it's men that have gone in on there, not the ladies, because nobody talks about it. Nobody talks to them and they can sort of walk away. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's just, um, yeah, but as if there's a session chat that we, we regularly do when we're in the office and we, we're doing it now as well, the ladies will rock up and we don't see men at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm interested in that because uh, I come to this conversation with two hats on in a way, as well as running the, the organisation for the region with, with Zoe. I, I run a small business and we employ 14 people. We're a computer graphics company and most of our team are young men. Some of them live alone. Uh, we've been able to transition to working from home um, because what we do is digital and computer based. In one way, that's been a really smooth transition. But I think boys don't ask for help and don't perhaps necessarily think that they can talk about their personal lives at work and they don't necessarily think that that's the place to show weakness you know there's this real culture of like oh no that's not your problem that's my problem in my own life and I'll deal with it and I shouldn't bring my my problems to work and so there's that whole sort of culture change to tackle and I think the other thing as a small business there were obviously a lot of anxiety about business continuity and and keeping work coming in and the sort of financial viability how would how would our business be affected by the recession and and the sort of economic issues and so anxiety among the team and who might be furloughed and that sort of thing and then the the converse problem of actually as time went by we just got busier and busier and busier so whereas in the first few weeks I felt like we had a bit of time to say you know don't you know are you all okay is everybody don't stress just do what you can take breaks go and sit in the garden Suddenly we just got busier and busier when I was really aware that actually we were putting 
huge amount. We were all under a huge amount of pressure. We had deadlines, we had clients clamoring for things. We were trying to deal with an enormous increased workload, but under more challenging situations, working from home, working remotely, not able to kind of share the work amongst our colleagues in the way that we normally would. And I think that must have been an experience for a lot of businesses as well, that actually at the time when you need to be able to take the pressure off, suddenly we were in a position where there was more pressure than ever and it was more difficult to cope with. Zoe, I'll, I'll bring you in. What are your thoughts on some of this? There's been some great insights shared today. I love the idea of the virtual tea breaks. At Victoria. Uh, I was going to say exactly the same thing. I absolutely love that. And I think there's been quite a lot of pressure on the fact that, we, as a lot of you have mentioned, we're letting people into our lives as well by running these Zoom, regular Zoom meetings. We're, uh, I think Victoria mentioned, you know, seeing people's animals and things and you you are letting your guard down on every on every sense by letting people into your lives like this and that can cause certain anxieties as well for people who might live in different environments and everything and also living in different houses people don't have the same setups as everybody else lots of people that I have been speaking to some of them are all working from their bedroom some of them might not have desks or chairs and there's different pressures on everybody. With regards to uh, the, the men issue, or the male issue, the conversation I was having, so I've been providing these workshops to the ombudsman, and the way we got around it was we did it voluntary. It wasn't going to be, it was going to be compulsory when I was in there, but we thought, well, if people want to. So anyway, um, but after we've done it voluntarily and we've had really good feedback, so the managers now are like, we really, because there are a lot, a lot of the, as you said, Victoria, a lot of people who need the support just are not asking and this isn't about like how to do it it's about just checking in on yourself and so we were discussing about how to how can you make people get on a, a zoom call which is about well-being when they make out they're not interested so the way we've gone about it is I've got a program and I said and I, the thing is you want people to open up but if you've got somebody sitting there like this it's not really conducive to the type of conversation so the compromise you've made is I'm just going to deliver the program. Because I say I'm quite happy to talk to people whose faces are like brick walls. I'm quite, I used to be a teacher, like I'm used to that. But it's because sometimes people just don't. And because the well-being thing is so massive, it isn't about work. It isn't about I'm suicidal. It isn't about either of those two things. It's about checking yourself, you know. Are you fretted? Are you wasting energy on people who are just always going to do that? Or are you finding it difficult to get up in the morning? Or are you optimistic? Or... It was a thing on the radio this morning about the guy who was sailing around the world. And the best way, apparently, his his my mindset coach said was to be positive, was to smile. So if you just put a smile on your face in the morning, that the impact of that. So, so the way we've looked at it now is I'm just going to go on, deliver the seven points of my program. And if people want to, you know, sort of contribute and come back, but at least they get in something where they may, if they take one, it's the same with everything, if they take one thing away from it, but again, mm. how do you force people? Because it's, it's like saying, it's like taking the castor oil medicine, isn't it? You know, mm. it's for your own good, it's for your own good. You know, and you, you want always, it to be goodwill. Yeah. You can always tell the people that have been told to attend. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I remember, you know, before, before lockdown, I'd, we, 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 we delivered some sessions for, for, for uh, the colleges. And, and, you know, I think um, yeah, they'd, you know, they'd been strongly advised. <laughs> <to> attend. <laughs> and there was this one chap who was, who was literally, if he'd got any closer to the, to the fire door, he would have been <laughs> he would have, it, it was just literally that sort of, you know, in the body language. And, 
and it is it is very difficult because at the end of the day you know some people find it very hard you know to, challenging to talk about their emotions I do think there is a you know significant gender issue we've done some work with a local tech company the vast majority of their workforce young men and and I remember talking to the HR manager there and she was saying you know she was quite concerned about a, a few of them and particularly issues and this was all sort of pre-COVID you know issues around social isolation because what she was saying is is you know they're doing things like coding um, you know, and and designing, but uh, you know, sort of really techy sort of stuff. Sitting at, at at their computers, you know, sort of all day long. Um, and then she said, you know, a lot of them um, were big online gamers or like to cope fun. So you know, they'd be working all day, and then, on, and then up all night, and not getting that social interaction. And and I think we need to we need to think about the fact that it's not just, you know, okay, some of this stuff is personality driven, some of it, you know, there's, there's clear gender issues, but I think that, you know, there's, you know, you've got to, you've got to take age and generation into account as well. I remember, you know, I'm thinking of a sort of men's mental health. I remember from my father, he was a firefighter and he said one of the biggest things that he missed when he retired was the camaraderie and the fact that actually he wasn't really, you know, getting to, to meet with other men, to talk to men. Mm. The, I think way. being with other yeah, that being with other people, but I think as well, there's that's where the pressure comes from as well. So when you said about using the chat thing, Victoria, when mm. uh, in a couple of my sessions, I, I did a thing where you know, out of one to ten, how are you feeling today? Just a quick introduction thing. The first time I did it, what the first person said seven, everybody else said seven. No, I didn't <laughs> think anything of it, right? A couple of minutes later, I said, if you had to describe how you're feeling, how would you feel? You know, how are you feeling? And one of them said, Oh, I'm sort of managing. And the other said, yeah, I'm, I could not believe it. These are grown adults now. They all said exactly what the first person <laughs> said. For the first time, I didn't really notice. I just thought, oh, yes. Em. So the second time I did it, I did it in the chat. So, and only to me, they weren't allowed to, they, they, you know, I said, I just experiment you, write to me. Everyone was totally different. And they all mm. said different words. And these are people who don't have a relationship with each other, who don't, you know, didn't have an agenda. They'd all come on willingly. And yet they simply tagged on to the first thing somebody else did so they didn't have to express how they actually felt. And that's mm. what we need to get to grips with is getting people to be honest about how they personally inhere a feeling. Yeah. And, you know, and that's where I think, yeah, that strategic thing comes. If you're ongoing, then you're going to know then. And already, you know, I know these people now so well and I've only met them twice virtually because mm. they've told me exactly. I know what they were, what they worried about. Do you mean like, yeah, you yeah. get to know them quick, pretty quickly. And like I said, that's why I use the program for to go just get into specific questions. I can relate so much to what you've both said there. I mean, particularly that thing about certain demographics, work is social, that is their only social contact. And when that was taken away so suddenly, particularly for young people who perhaps do live on their own, suddenly they're not seeing anybody. And I think that's massively different. All of us complaining about how we've got all these childcare problems and all these relatives that we've got caring responsibilities for. The other side of that coin is, is just as difficult, isn't it? And can be very isolating. I think what's come through in everything you've said is that it's different strokes for different folks, isn't yeah. it? It's making sure there's a, a real breadth of support and advice and resources available because different people will need different support at different times and perhaps what this experience has taught us is that well-being and and looking after the whole person 
is a really is really important it's no longer just seen as something that's nice to have it's now recognized as something essential and what what it sounds like everyone is recognizing and encouraging is for businesses to take it on board and 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 have a long-term strategy around yeah. looking after the health and well-being in order to sort of wrap up today's conversation i'd like to invite you all to offer a piece of advice your top tip really whether it's for an employer or for an employee, somebody working in a, in a business that's struggling with their own well-being, um, what would be your top tip right now for businesses or employees out there listening to this to better manage their own well-being? What would you recommend they do? Alison, can I put you on the spot and come oh, to you okay. first? That's an interesting question, actually. I think um, listening to the conversation, the tip that I would say is to make sure that whatever support you offer you offer it in as many guises as you can, because I, as you said, we're all very, very different. The one-to-one versus the forum versus the groups of three or four. Some like to read, some like to listen. And I have learned in my role, really, that sometimes um, it's very much around the medium, very much around how that is portrayed. And that can at least go some way to make people feel as comfortable as possible. If it, it taps into what they want very often we'll say, I oh, will put out a brief, somebody will read it, that'll be fine, won't it? Maybe not. Other people like to see pictures, um, that makes more sense to them. Equally, as you say, one-to-one suits or sometimes a forum where they're exchanging experiences. So for me, the tip would be, whatever you're doing, try to get out that out to as wide an audience by the way that you do it. So think about how the learning styles are and things like that. Yeah, great. Thank you, Alison. Paul, can I come to you? Any final reflections? And then what's your, your best advice? Alison just stole Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Paul. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> um, when you're on Zoom and it just says her name, I didn't see it, it says mind reader next to it. <laughs> uh, I've obviously been in HR for far too long. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, do you know what? I can only echo what Alison said and what everybody is saying is not one size fits all. Sometimes you've also got to test. You've got to test whether something works for someone and get as much feedback as you can, you know, in as many ways as you can, individual groups, whatever it be, is we're, we are very, I know it's at the heart of change management, which is a very business-like thing to say, but actually it works just as well with, with, with other areas like well-being, which is, you know, looked at as a softer area or whatever, but it's just as important. It's just as important to gather people's perceptions of things, what does work, what doesn't work, how they find something, and then, you know, test something else, you know, adjust your focus, adjust what it is. Because as we're saying, one thing will work for one person, doesn't work for another, but sometimes just, just twisting it a little bit Yes. You know, applying it in a different way will work because there's no, I don't think there's any easy answers. You just got to, we've just got to keep going. You know, we're, we're discovering so much more about our workforce through lockdown. Um, like you said, we're spending so much time with each other in personal environments and getting to know each other across different sites, which we've never done before because technology breaks all that down, which is, yeah. I will say it's amazing. Some of the relationships that have developed just in my team and the teams that have had interaction with has been wonderful. They've gotten to know each other in, in these great ways that's going to last. And I'm really, really thankful for that. 
but we wouldn't know unless we tried to break those barriers down and say, let's do Zoom calls together, let's do this. And it's sort of capitalizing on that new knowledge of people yeah. as to what might work next. Yeah. Yeah, great. So I'm going to come to Victoria, then I'm going to come to Joanne, and then I'm going to come to Zoe for any final reflections or best piece of advice. Victoria, what do you think? From my perspective, I think it's just really for people to keep having the conversations, those well-being conversations. I don't think you can underestimate the power of getting people to talk and feel more comfortable talking with colleagues or line managers, um, you know, ab about how they're feeling and making that okay to have those discussions and, and making sure that it, you know, it becomes part and parcel of, of, of work in life. And I think, you know, for, you know, for organisations as well, it's to remember that they don't have to have all the answers. You know, most people aren't mental health practitioners, you know, so I think there can be a lot of panic. People feel like they're going to be sort of opening a can of worms or, you know, what if somebody starts to get emotional? Most of us just want to be heard. We want to be listened to, we want to feel supported. And actually, as a colleague or as a manager, you know, we should actually all be equipped to be able to do to do that. I mean, you know, there's organisations obviously like like ourselves. We we we're here to provide you know that sort of free support. So you know, signpost onto us. I think signposting is key actually, as well as letting know people know what support services you've perhaps got available internally. It's actually you know looking to see what is out there. You know, from the men's health perspective, I was talking to Mal. Emerson the other day and he from was from worked for Bulldogs and and now um he set up a, a men's group called Mal's Marauders and he was talking about you know they've they've got a WhatsApp group that's supporting the men and it's all about um taking people out into green space so 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 socially distanced walking getting that sort of physical activity but that's still that sense of community and and people feeling that they're not isolated and they're not alone so there's all sorts of, you know, locally, there's all sorts of support available. I think, yeah, I mean, again, if, if people feel uncomfortable about having wellbeing conversations, using a simple tool like a wellness action plan can be great. I think wellbeing is a great leveler because it's something that affects all of us. So actually, you know, by encouraging people to talk about wellbeing and to focus on their own wellbeing and the wellbeing of others, you're automatically engaging everybody so as I say so you know there's so many fantastic templates for wellness action plans in it so and you're not waiting for people to become unwell you're actually getting to them to think about the triggers and to preempt what what makes things better for them what actually makes things worse fantastic advice there Victoria making it okay to talk about well-being at work that culture shift every company needs to take responsibility for that make sure it's okay in your team in your workforce for people to talk about their own well-being and then I'd like to echo what you said about signposting support so as an employer or a manager you could do a bit of research yourself and I certainly will be doing this let's look up what what is available locally and obviously one place to look is, is well-being through work and the project that Victoria is here talking about today which is free support for employees and employers but raising awareness of what support is out there for your staff and for your colleagues and for yourself. I think that's really valuable. Joanne, what's your best advice? I'm sure you've got loads of advice. I think probably coming at it from a slightly different point of view and that I don't have employees or anybody I'm responsible for, but what I try and encourage always with my clients, my members, is a lesson from the, my kids' school. Every, they realize that the kids' behavior always came from something. So if a kiddie sort of kicked off in a lunchtime, if they went back far enough, there was always something that brought it before. So what they do now is every morning the kids go in and they'd ask, how, how do they feel on a scale of one to 10? And we use that in my house a lot. 
And I think from an employer's point of view, if you knew it every day how, you, how your employees are feeling on a scale of one to 10, you'd sort of, and if they knew that you cared, most people would come in on a seven. They would like a six or a seven. But someday somebody will come in on a 10 and somebody will be a four. And the person on a four, you know, but if you encourage that type of, com- again, like Victoria said, like the conversation, but this isn't telling you, oh my God, me and my husband had a row before I came to work. It's, do you know what? Things are a bit crap today. But I think in the team, it's a very simple thing. It's not intrusive. You can get, you would get your men to participate because, you know, the men will say that they eat every day, you know, but they might not. And it's, it's encouraging that conversation, that openness, that discourse. And again, like you said, you know, this isn't about poor mental health. It's about emotional resilience and keeping ourselves going. So I definitely would encourage, uh, you know, often my 10 year old will say, what number are you today, mum? You know, is there a reason you're that number? Aww. You know, and sometimes it's just because, you know, I'm, I haven't got anything on or I'm really busy or I'm bored or it could be anything. It could be, I fancy a good cry. It could be, do you know what I mean? But it, it, it's a conversation that we have very regularly, you know, and the schools okay. are doing it. And if the schools are doing it, and Paul, you said about the gap in education, you know, I think we we miss that. <laughs> I think the little ones coming through are going to benefit from it, you know, and they'll get used to explaining how they feel or that you haven't got to be firing all cylinders all the time. So a sure. one to 10 scale, I think is a great way to start the day. So important. What a great piece of advice. And we could all do that, couldn't we? Just checking in with each other much more regularly. And Well, just uh, even yeah. with yourselves, even if you didn't tell anyone. I often wake up in the morning and think, oh, what number <laughs> am I today? I do like, you know, and it does change. It does change, you know. And we can, can be I... more, um, more understanding of ourselves and other people. If someone says they're, they're on a three today, we can cut them a bit of slack, can't we? And say that they're obviously exactly. Doing can I just come in on that point? Is that all right? Yes, yeah. Um, interesting listening to the, the thread here because um, talking of the numbers game, uh, one of the things that we've done recently, just in the last couple of weeks, was to think about the topic of conversation that flows very easily, and that's usually about the weather. Um, so we sat and thought about how could we get over yeah. or bring people out to say how's the weather for you that's brilliant yeah and we had how's the weather campaign running through uh, october and five members of staff and i'm sure this will go on but five members of staff stepped forward and told their story but their opening line was how's the weather for you and they answered it so i'll give you an example of that one lady unfortunately lost her husband um, in August um, to cancer. And she answered, it's overcast with showers, but there's some sunny intervals. And then she oh. went on to talk about her oh. experience. So That's it's brilliant. A, it's a little twist on the, the numbers game, which works, but it's how's the weather? Yeah. And actually, I can see thunder clouds, so it's you know it's oppressive or whatever, and it's got. Oh, I love that. So we've done that campaign, and the feedback. So Paul talked about feedback is off the scale. Actually, we're doing really well with the feedback, so we'll probably carry on with it. But yeah, it's just it's the same thing, isn't it? It's just asking a question which isn't you know too intrusive, but it actually got people to talk. And we had five, as I say, we've had five different stories from mental health to premature babies through to caring and caring with a child um, with a disability and then of course the bereavement so we've scanned the 
the, wow. the well the five things and there's many more of course but those are the five that we captured so yeah just wanted that's to show that in sorry oh that's fantastic <laughs> yeah. i'm glad you've shared that alison that's such a great uh, i just great thought it was opportunity to do that then so yeah thank you yeah a great campaign that others could yeah uh, i love that yeah. Could learn yeah. From. Thank you. Zoe, final reflections. What do you think? I don't think that I am in a position that I can give any advice at all, I think, but I've really enjoyed listening to you all today and what I've learned from it and what I'm hopefully going to take away um, for our little business is about communication. A communication is so key. And sometimes I feel like I go through the day and go from meeting to meeting, but you're talking business, you're not talking about anything else. And I've realized that I probably don't do that enough with the, as a team, we don't probably do it enough. So I'll definitely be taking away a lot of the key messages that have come through today. The tea break idea, I think that's so good. And the, where the thing that Alison just <laughs> mentioned, I'll definitely, definitely be using that. Even if we do it in emojis, it might be quite good. Yes. Uh, yes. I, just, I just hope that um, our listeners enjoy listening as much as I have today. I think we've all learned a Thank huge you. amount and it's been a great opportunity to share some really good ideas. And also I think a key part of it is, is just sharing, isn't it? You know being really honest yeah, and open about the struggles that we've all had, the struggles that perhaps we've experienced amongst our colleagues and recognising that, it, you know, we're all, we're all struggling with different things and it is okay not to be okay. And that culture shift at work is so important. So thank you all for coming and sharing pleasure. your insights with our audience. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to all of you. And I'd just like to conclude by thanking Alison Parsons, Head of Corporate Health and Wellbeing at DVLA, Victoria Williams, Wellbeing Through Work. And if you Google that, you can find out about all the support that's available. Uh, Joanne Duliff, as ever, it's been a pleasure from Empower Health thank and Wellbeing. Thank you. A running Thank club that is absolutely me. not about running. It's about the whole person and that really comes It's not about through. running. No. And Paul Billington, the only man in today's conversation. So uh, thank you very much for joining from Admiral Group. Fantastic discussion. Thanks to you all. And uh, we'll keep in touch. Thanks yes. for listening.